0: Everybody, welcome back. I'm Katie and I'm Kate, and this is premeditated. It's You y'all. Oh, oh. yeah, you're you did, welcome. y'all.
1: I, of course, I did. You oh. gotta spice it up. Bless your heart.
0: Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for joining for another week. Uh, we are feeling we're back on like a yes! routine of it yes! we have stuck with it every couple weeks we're every doing couple this. weeks
1: that seems that's a sweet spot yeah, right yeah like, we just really well. hit our stride here yeah this is it's, like the third episode <laughs> yeah
0: we're back we're, we're back. back and better than ever better than ever <laughs> and from what i hear kate's got a real doozy for us tonight
1: yeah um i just want to issue a trigger warning okay um the Serial killer that I'll be talking about. He was a real sicko, oh, and he killed kids. So, oh god, okay, yeah, well, I'm
0: stuck here. I mean, so, I cannot leave. The trigger <laughs> warning only applies to you guys, not me. Yeah, so, I so
1: strap in. It. Um, and also he provided some really detailed confessions. No. No, so like, I would just recommend. So I'm leaving. Bye.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I can do that yeah. by myself. Just talk to herself. like a creep, reading out just loud about a series. series. <laughs> so you like talk to Siri too? <laughs> so like, what was that? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Like there's gotta be an AI bot or something <laughs> that could do a better job <laughs> than you. Yeah.
0: No, it's really hurtful, but you're right. <laughs> no one's better than you. That's no one you. doesn't like you. That's true. Yeah. No one does do it like me.
1: So um, uh yeah,
0: I guess trigger warning, this involves uh a killer of children. And um, like
1: any case, it's important to tell the stories so these children don't get forgotten. Right. Yeah. well, and that's the whole thing is like, I think it's important for people to know, like, this is the horror these children went yeah, through. right. And also because there is one child that was very, very brave. And if it weren't for her bravery, then he would have never been caught. Uh, and there would have been a ton more victims. All right, let's just get started. Let's so do it. So I am revisiting a state. That's why I think. <clears throat> we, like, I think we realize we don't want to
0: limit ourselves to the state yeah. that we haven't done. There's no. a lot of good st- cases the thing is when we're starting when we like research cases you get hooked on something and you can't like put a pause on it Mm -mm. and be like ah this isn't good because it's in the wrong state so no we will of course like we still have our map we'll still try and hit them all but i read true crime for my own
1: enjoyment yeah and i know that sounds fucked up you know what
0: actually is really interesting that i've uh recently discovered because this year i have a a goal to like read as much as possible so i like have stopped kind of watching tv and i just read um oh,
1: that's awesome yeah
0: so i've read 10 books so far this year which i like for my own enjoyment which last year i think i probably read two
1: are they so, from like, the ya section and do they shut have the hell up tons of pictures <laughs> yes. are the pictures good katie are the illusions good i was called those like uh did uh, you ever find Waldo? or whatever yeah
0: novels. choose your own adventure oh god those were great no they're Real-ass books, okay?
1: I'll see it when I believe it. <laughs> That's what Keith says. I have says. a list on
0: my phone. Instead of saying, I'll believe it when yeah. I see it. I'll, I'll see, see it, it when, when I, I believe it. it. So, so far this year, I've read, I think, two true crime, crime books. And I was not into them. Yeah. Like, I wasn't interested in reading them. I, I love a dark thriller. My favorite author right now is Ruth Ware she i love her. oh my god all of her books are so good i've read four of them so far god, what was the one i just read of hers it was on a ferry or a Oh, oh yeah the first, yes oh, the woman in cabin cabin yes the woman so in cabin's head yes yeah it's all very no, like right? i thought that i would love reading true crime because mm-hmm. i love listening to it i love like reading like newspaper articles i love observing yeah and i read stranger beside me like last year and i read it like that oh Ann rule yeah, yeah. Ann rule but i tried another one of her books earlier this year and just like I couldn't get into it so I just think I realized I don't like reading true crime I like listening to really? it really but I don't think I'm a big fan of reading it I like thrillers and, and kind of I spooky
1: stuff. love true crime I just yeah. I love reading true crime so yeah. anyway
0: so we were saying that in regards to like the map and, and being yeah like, yeah but,
1: and if I start reading something and I don't really like it like I was reading one and I thought, oh, New Hampshire, like yeah. that, that would be awesome. We haven't done that state yet. And as I'm reading it, I'm like, eh. yeah, like I don't, eh, You're not into it. Not really into it. And yeah. like, yeah. And then this new book uh, that just recently came out and it's called uh, Hidden Demons by Marjorie Metzer. And it is really really good. Okay. It does go into some really finite detail. She does a really comprehensive job. You'll notice that I don't cover like the trial or anything like that sure. because it just was too much. Sure. Like there's there's really a, I have a lot here sure. so. Should we get started? Yes, let's get started. Okay. And actually it's a cross it's a cross-state one. Okay. It's New York and Massachusetts. Okay. So you know, I like to set the scene a yeah. little bit. At the westernmost end of Massachusetts lies Berkshire County, okay. which Berkshire County is 900 square miles and the population is somewhere between 150,000 and 155,000. Okay. 30 towns and two cities. So that's the, where the Berkshires are. So the Berkshires. And the Berkshires, I don't, I've heard
0: of the Berkshires. Like, is that like a hoity-toity area? Yeah. The Berkshires are like, it's like an area. Yeah. Fancy. Yeah. It's a wealthy area.
1: Uh, Nestled in the scenic and tranquil Berkshire Hills. Lies. Pittsfield. Okay. Massachusetts.
0: Pittsfield. 43 sque- s- squee. 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 43
1: my God.
0: I can't talk.
1: 43 square miles. Uh, with a population of between 50,000 and 35,000 um why
0: would you say it like
1: that i don't know it was written like that (laughs) (laughs) between 35,000 and 50,000 uh pittsfield boasted of being a wonderful place to raise a family okay i don't know if i believe all right so that's the scene okay small i mean relatively small town our town is like 33k I don't know yeah I, I just right. saw that sign it was like that's shocking
0: yeah yeah our town is like three miles by two miles yeah it's
1: but like, there's a shit ton of people yeah there's a lot of people here um look at those fucking retirement homes and yeah and that's true apartment buildings yeah. and yeah We're they build in. up Katie,
0: yeah. um <laughs> <laughs> okay boomer yeah <laughs>
1: all right so this is victim number one on october 22nd 1990 oh okay yeah so fairly i mean relatively recent a little two-year-old baby oh my god
0: you were nine years old
1: that's still us we're still we're still very young i still wasn't old enough to make sound decisions Still not. Still, And I'm still not. Yeah. (laughs) On October 22nd, 1990, Jimmy Bernardo arrived home from school at approximately 2.45. He dropped off his things. He got on his bike and he left home for the Pittsfield Plaza. So Jimmy Bernardo was 12 years old. Uh, Routinely, Jimmy would head over to the plaza when he didn't have homework to finish first. And the plaza was just a half a mile from his home. It was a strip mall. I was going to say, what is the plaza? Yeah, we had had something like that called yeah sage
0: place oh okay
1: it was like three stores
0: we had like the an actual mall that we went to and we were like the brunswick mall okay but now it's like abandoned and really sad oh is it it is it's like it's not quite abandoned but there's like truly covid hit probably no it was even before that it's probably 10 percent occupied so it's super
1: weird that's really creepy it's really really sad because
0: like that's where i grew up like that's where we went and well can you imagine
1: working in one of those stores no like does it keep regular mall hours i have lots of questions okay (laughs) so yeah so it was a strip mall located on a heavily trafficked highway uh called route 20 which connects the western edge of massachusetts with new york state okay fairly non like the strip mall is fairly nondescript but it was a hub of activity that housed a furniture store a video rental store naturally a pool hall, a laundromat, a discount tea and sweatshirt outlet, an appliance store, a karate studio, and a restaurant. The feature attraction of the plaza was the Pittsfield Cinema Center. okay. Uh, yep. The Pittsfield Plaza became uh, the teen gathering place. It provided uh, an expansive parking lot for kids to ride bikes and hang out and play video games and pinball machines, shoot pool, and sometimes sneak into the movie theater with the aid of the theater's janitor. Remember that. Yeah. Because the janitor comes back in. Yeah. Sounds good. Jimmy along with a group of friends, frequented the clean machine coin op laundromat to enjoy the pinball machine, video games, and pool table provided for the patrons in the rear of the store. He usually hung out with boys a bit older than himself. He had a reputation for being a bit mouthy. Okay. um, But the woman working at the establishment never considered him to be a problem. Okay. So... He was just kind of a pill, I think. That afternoon, Jimmy came alone and played the machines from about 3 to 3.30. As he was leaving, he told the woman in charge he was going to to the payphone by the movie theater, although she often let the boys use the laundromat payphone. Jimmy returned, asking the woman to exchange his coins for quarters to continue playing the machines. Jimmy went home sometime, they think, between 4.20 and 4.30. Okay. Um, They just know that the family was eating an early dinner. That evening to watch a movie on tv that began at five o'clock
0: do you remember those days yes, yes. oh my god like, like when- those were such good times yes they really were like you you had to get up and pee and get snacks and stuff during the commercials during the commercials you and couldn't like, pause it no
1: you couldn't pause it no, no. i remember like, oh, the never yeah, like all the never-ending stories
0: yeah like you'd all be like yeah. yeah it'd be like movie oh. night we'd watch yeah or like my parents and i would have like certain shows and stuff even when i was in like middle school and high school that we would watch like Every Sunday night, we would watch Cold Case together. One of my favorite shows still to this day. It's so good. And, like, my parents loved it, and I did, too. My sisters weren't into it, but, like, we would watch it together, and that was, like, a special thing. Oh,
1: that's awesome. I know. My dad, uh, when we – we were with my dad every other weekend when I was a kid, and we would watch – He would let us stay up and watch Saturday Night Live. Oh, yeah? Yeah, like the old Saturday Night Live. like the good stuff. The good stuff. Yeah. 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 So Jimmy, he did some homework, and then he ate dinner, and he returned to the Pittsfield Plaza, where he had actually arranged to meet up with a friend. The friend's family didn't finish dinner as early, so the boys planned to meet like sometime around 5.30. Okay. So shortly after 5, the woman working at the laundromat was about to leave work for the day. And she spotted Jimmy through the window coming from the direction of the cinema. Okay. Uh, he sat down on a chair outside the laundromat to sip his A&W root beer. Great. And wait for his friend. His bike was on the sidewalk next to him. When his friend got to the plaza, he rode his bike around for 15 minutes looking for Jimmy. At about 6, the friend called the Bernardo's house inquiring, like, where's yeah. Jimmy? Mrs. Bernardo told him that Jimmy was still outside playing. The friend then rode across the street to the nearby park where Jimmy might have gone. By 630, when he still could not find Jimmy, he returned home. Okay. Even as a little kid, like a friend, like I would be yeah, kind of okay, like, okay. Uh, what's going on? The police did treat this as a missing persons report. Like, Well, he was 12. Yeah. And like. like- and it was immediate like they jumped into action so they interviewed jimmy's younger brother robert who swore he had no idea where jimmy could be all robert knew was that his brother had said he was going to the plaza the bernardos gave the detectives uh, a picture of jimmy as like a school photo right and a missing person bulletin went out from the police department okay at this point there was no evidence to suggest anything suspicious had occurred like no bike no you so know they didn't
0: find any of. they didn't stuff. find any of it okay. they just
1: he vanished yeah. like they the detective did some asking around at the cinema center and he briefly chatted with the movie theater's janitor uh who said he didn't know what had happened but he hadn't seen anybody around the cinema okay his answer seemed plausible sure so nothing was noted posters with jimmy's picture circulated throughout massachusetts and then it around the country uh a friend informed police that jimmy had told him he had wanted to run away what a friend said that yeah i mean what 12 year old doesn't want to fucking run away (laughs) like i I
0: can't can't run run away from house i cannot tell you how many times like i'm gonna run away and i'd pack up like my doll suitcase like my suit like case that held all my doll clothes and stuff i'm "I'm leaving and it's like where am i gonna fucking go i would go like sit in it Behind a tree. I never tried to and run was, away. Are you serious? No, oh my God. I, I think it's because I knew I couldn't. Get... Oh, I quote unquote ran away, where I would literally like go hide behind a tree at my parents. House. <laughs> <laughs> you don't love me.
1: You don't love. Like I think maybe I never tried to run away because I knew nobody would look for me. <laughs> like yeah, they'd be like, That's "Like my my mom's like, I don't get go. yeah <laughs> <Not> fun. <laughs> my mom." My mom would be like four days later. Yeah. Go find your sister. Yeah. I know.
0: It, was so <laughs> just, it was like always like, who can get the attention from my parents? You know, like that's what it was with three kids. It was like, my I sister. Made forever. My <laughs> son me my
1: sister literally my my twin sister literally threw herself out of the top bunk in the middle of the night and and like pretended like she had a broken arm or something and my dad marched into the room and said get back in bed and then went to bed and uh, like it was pretty clear early on like no shenanigans in the higgins household yeah no i (laughs) i
0: pretend to fall out of the bunk bed at the cabin once and didn't get a whole lot of attention
1: Rumors of sightings of Jimmy swirled, but nothing really panned out. Any leads that came in went to the desk and would be checked out. So it was like a regular tip line kind of thing. Uh, The detective bureau worked the streets while the juvenile bureau followed up with parents. And actually on November 2nd, so now we're... 11 days sure. that he's been missing uh america's most wanted broadcasted jimmy's disappearance wow okay so uh the new england missing persons bureau helped also helped to collect leads without any significant evidence jimmy remained a missing person until november 18th when two boys discovered oh. his mint green mongoose bicycle partially submerged in a lake no oh. In Pittsfield, across town from the Pittsfield Plaza. So this was the first significant piece of evidence. Um, the search- So then they began the search for a body. They used helicopters, planes, police dogs, kayakers, scuba. So just three days later. After the bike was found? Mm-hmm. Okay. On November 21st. Uh, deer hunters found a body approximately 200 feet off a one lane dirt road in rural Newfield, New York. Sadly, the naked body was at first believed by the hunters to be a young female due to the lack of body hair. The body would soon be identified as that of Jimmy Bernardo. So he was all the way in New York. How far was that? Newfield where the body was found is uh, approximately four hours from Pittsfield. So... That is far. He lay face down at the base of a sapling tree with a quarter inch clothesline rope tied around his neck in a slipknot with the other end tied to the tree. Uh, The victim's clothes were found approximately 200 feet from the body and the lack of scratches on the boy's legs indicated that he had walked through the bramble underbrush clothed before being stripped at the scene of the murder. The Onondaga County, New York medical examiner ruled the cause of death as asphyxiation by strangulation. Uh, With no defensive wounds found on the body, there was no evidence of struggle or beating. The serious bruises on the neck were due to the rope being twisted tightly, closing off the carotid arteries. Although the victim was not found with restraints, they did find lingering residue remained on the victim's feet, below the ankles, and around the wrists. Residue from like duct tape or something. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. The tape over the eyes had paper towels wadded up, which is so weird either for the victim's comfort or to make a better blindfold. Yeah, I could see that. Like if you put like put like little pieces of paper
0: like, oh, in your eyes so- so it really makes like a seal. Oh, oh fucked up. Yeah
1: as and also you're driving him four hours away like what is he gonna like what is he gonna
0: and he's do fucking 12 he and doesn't no directions yeah he gets out of his town and he doesn't know where the fuck he
1: is yeah like why? Well, it's just it's just it literally is overkill it's just oh, uh, a yeah. baby as soon as word came into the police department about the discovery of jimmy's body uh pittsfield police officers Peter McGuire, Joseph Coleus, and senior investigator from the New York State Police, Robert Cartwright, went together to break the news to Ron and Mary Bernardo, before they found out through the media this tragedy it like literally sent shockwaves to yeah. the community like they they'd never had anything like this happen before no, no. so parents did feel uh like you mentioned they felt a a, a new need that was foreign to them that yeah they hadn't had before for like ultra vigilance and watching protecting yeah. their kids so um a massive search for the killer ensued um, it included informational roadblocks and command centers were set up at the Pittsfield Police Department as well as Ithaca, New York. Reward money started coming in. Um, there was a particular interest in the Pittsfield Cinema Center, naturally. Yeah. Since that's where Jimmy had last been seen. Right. Uh detectives McGuire and McGelly got checked out every lead for over three years. Jesus. Um there were thirty thousand leads. Oh my god. Yeah. Files bulging with information, every name submitted, every known sex offender, every lead followed up, and still there were no clues. And also, all the businesses in the Pittsfield Plaza were asked to submit employee lists. Okay. So Richard Bowman, the manager of the Pittsfield Cinema Center, handed over his payroll list. It never occurred to him to include all his part-time and contract transitional employees. Like, I I
0: get that it's like an, a slip but like when you're asked to provide information on every employee like that means everyone you idiots. yeah oh, um
1: God. nor the many delivery people who frequent the facility he just okay. didn't he didn't think that they needed those names he figured the police already knew the nighttime janitor I hate, like, that is the, that is
0: the, a tricky thing though. Like it's it's hindsight 2020 and like the case of, uh, you know, like what's that, what's that thing called with like the kitty, kitty Genovese where like the bystander effect. Yeah. The
1: bystander effect. Yeah. 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 Or like
0: like you're like well you think someone else thinks, is gonna call Surely they know this information like of course they know the names of the delivery people of course <clears> they've asked <throat> like i don't need to provide of course they know that and it's like there's that like feeling yeah. of like i don't want to be too intrusive i don't want to assume they're idiots and not asking the right questions and like provide that information but like right. think like in, in a criminal investigation it's always a good idea to provide more than is asked if
1: you, you know i do
0: yeah like, like you don't want to assume that they don't that you know more than they do right like yeah. you're gonna be like
1: well like you should know this already, but yeah. you know, people feel like idiots saying that. I yeah. don't know why? We're so Minnesotan. We don't or Midwestern. We don't want to tell them how to do their job. I think you're right. Like, I think yeah, maybe that and, is just a, a like a Minnesota nice
0: thing, right? Yeah. Like I want to be like the person that's like, I want to be that guy. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, yeah. So the, the the cinema owner just didn't think to mention all this stuff. And he figured that the police already knew the nighttime janitor who contacted them occasionally when there was a break in at the theater. So the police were familiar, like, they'd met this janitor, but, okay. like, there was a vague mention of a sighting of a light blue van, like, around the time that Jimmy was taken. Sure. But there were no clues, so. The paperwork on these dead ends, like, filled filing cabinets, and after three years, the clues just led nowhere. Oh, it went cold. Yeah. God damn it. Okay. So then, on friday january 7th 1994 okay so this is 1994 jimmy bordardo was october 22nd 1990 okay this is january 7th 1994 it's a little over three years yeah at seven o'clock rebecca savaris a 12 year old seventh grader at notre dame middle school headed out the door of her apartment where she lived with her single mom, Christine Paoli. Each morning, Rebecca made the one-mile trek to Notre Dame Middle School through well-trafficked downtown Pittsfield. Okay. She was bundled up in her ski jacket. She was carrying her purple L.L. Bean backpack. Gotta love L.L. Bean. Oh, man. <laughs> Don't carry yeah. that in and stand in the <laughs> checkout line in front of Katie.
0: Was it the kind that was on the mannequin? I need to <laughs> Uh, man this again. bitch will take it <laughs> yeah and she don't so, she don't give a fuck <laughs> i do love a little bean sponsor us um, how old how sorry she was 12 okay she's 12 and what
1: uh it was january what 7th 7th okay so she's bundled up yep um she's earplugged into her walkman shut up shut up love it love uh, that for her. also she, rebecca was slender she had a uh, fair complexion She had curly brown hair and braces on her teeth and wire rimmed glasses. Yeah. She's just making her daily walk to school and she's totally absorbed in like probably the smashing pumpkins. Yeah. And you know what she was listening to was. I swear by the moon and the
0: stars in in the the sky." sky. I looked up songs from 94. That was it. Boys to men. I'll make love to you like you want me to. Oh, Tootsie Roll. To, the left to, to the, the, left, the left, to the right, right, to, right to, to the right, the front, to, to the front, front to the front, to the back, to the back. back. Now slide, 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 slide. I was—I just listened to that because it was on Jock Jams. Heck and yeah! Lincoln has been super into dancing, so we've been listening to like—oh, I love
1: that Tetsy Roll. I love that. So okay, we got some good—we got some good ones. Great songs. Yep. I think she was probably cooler than you. And was still listening to the Smashing Pumpkins. So. As Rebecca approached North Street, a scruffy looking man with a mustache walked past her then suddenly appeared alongside of her. He warned her, do you see the gun I have? At first, Mm. she thought he was joking and she said she actually, he he seemed like a nerd and so she wasn't feeling very threatened and I think that was part of how he got away with this for so long. He approached her... um, a yellow shirt draped over his arm and came even closer and coaxing her up the street with a gun pointing at her ribs he commanded do everything i say and everything will be all right see that black pickup i want you to get in it Ooh, and do as- not
0: get in do not get in do not get in right but she's 12 no you, when you're 12 and-, and even
1: now like you but like if some don't, don't leave with someone don't go to another location no. do everything you can even if it means you get killed and that like because yep. once you leave, once you're in their custody,
0: you are never going to get out. Alive. Yeah, exactly. You will not like people think that they're going to be able to coax them. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like, well, like well, feelings for them. No, yeah. like, people are monsters. They don't have feelings. They yeah. just want to hurt you. And it's just you're not going to convince them not to.
1: No, just, no.
0: One of the books I read this year, and Rules, Lost Killer, and it was about Jerry Brudos, and one of the people that got away, he would he would approach people with a fake gun. And would, would, you know, yeah. get them to get in his car and then take him back home and be a fucking creep with their, with them. And well, those- but one of the women that got away, she, she was like, I wasn't getting in the car with him. And she, despite the fact that he had a gun to her back and was like, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. She made a scene and like, he, he sprinted away like as, as fast as possible and she survived because of it. But it's like, that's one woman out of like, I don't know, camera, like four or five yeah. that he killed. And it's like one of, one of those One fifth of the women was brave enough. And not to say that the other four were not brave, but it's like you have to have a certain personality. You have to wear with
1: And, like, here's the thing is if someone approaches you with a gun or a knife or a weapon of any kind and they have ill intent, they've already got an advantage over you because they have a plan in their mind. Yeah. And whether it be they they didn't come up with it until five minutes ago, it's still an advantage over you because you're totally caught by surprise. Right. So you're already at a disadvantage. Right. So the one thing you can do is not what they expect will happen with a weapon. Yeah. Is you can you can refuse to do what they want you to do. Exactly. And the nine times out of ten, that will surprise them. And it will ruin the plan. It It'll ruin, ruin the plan. Their plan and and, but you're hard. at least on the same playing field right. at that time, minus the weapon. Right. But on the chance that... You are caught by surprise. Definitely don't, just don't do everything you can to not go to a different location. You cannot. Right. Like, it is, ugh, yeah. Right. Your chances of surviving are so much less because now you're a liability. Yeah. Now you're, and you're on their turf. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Ugh. Yeah. Okay
1: so anyway so yeah he's he has a gun to her, he's taking her up the street and rebecca remembered the words her mother repeated to her she told her you stay on the main road and walk where it's well traveled if anyone is behind you duck into a business kick bite scream punch spit anything to get attention and and i think that's what we teach yep. kids now like if anybody tries to take you like just make a scene right that's what i would do yep I still would do that and I'm an adult like 100% j- just scream anyway that's our TED talk
0: um, how to not die yeah <laughs> how to Not die by Katie and Kate yeah
1: <laughs> the more you know fear of her life Rebecca later said I was afraid if I got into the truck I would never see my mom again I'd be lying in some ditch dead within feet of the truck which I think this is just brilliant Within feet of the truck, Rebecca suddenly pretended to hyperventilate, faking an asthma attack. Wow! Yeah, holy shit, Rebecca! Yeah, smart little girl. Breathlessly, she asked her attacker, "Can I sit down for a minute?" This stellar performance from a child who had never had asthma was enough to catch him off guard. Right, just what I was saying. Exactly. He, she threw his plan off. And as she began to sit down, the kidnapper felt a jerk on his hand as she wiggled loose from the backpack Um, girl. She's so smart. The split second it took her to slip her arms out of the backpack. She took off running down the street, leaving him holding the backpack. She flagged down a guy named Kenneth card. As he cleared the sidewalks, he took the agitated girl into his office and immediately called the police. So this guy did this in a well-populated area. Broad daylight, she's walking to school. He's not
0: scared. No. Yeah.
1: But again, he's preying on children. Yeah. It's a kid. Yeah. And there's a reason he does it. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So, stopped at the traffic light across the street, Russell Davis, another citizen, observed something unsettling happening on the sidewalk next to his car. Speaking of uh, a busy area. At first, he thought a father and daughter were having a heated argument, although his car windows were up so he couldn't hear what they were saying. However, when the girl freed herself from the man's rip and took off running, his curiosity turned to suspicion. Sure. Naturally. Yeah. Like, I would be super suspicious. Right. Ironically, Russ had just had the discussion with his sons about stranger danger. So this man, Russell, looked directly at the man, uh, the kidnapper, who now appeared to realize he was being watched. As the man calmly walked back to his truck, Russ observed the partial license plate number on the front of the vehicle through his rearview mirror. Good for him. So after Russ saw this, he followed the suspect, but he oh, lost him. Shoot. But good for him. Yeah. And so he looked for a place to stop and call the incident into police. He didn't have to go far before he poli- he spotted a police car at the corner at the corner mobile station. Just as Kenneth Card, this is the man that took Rebecca into his office. Okay. He was placing a call to the Pittsfield Police Department. Russell Davis approached Officer Delmont Keys at the Mobile Mart. Davis explained that he had just witnessed what he thought was an attempted ab- abduction at the corner of North Street. So the police knew then, because they're hearing from two different people, that that they had a major incident on their hands. But w- they didn't really suspect, like they didn't know at the time, the extent sure. of the event. Sure. So, uh, Patrolman Patrick Barry was the first officer on the scene and he escorted Rebecca to the police station. And her mom received the call from police that her daughter was safely at the station following an attempted abduction, which her heart must've just stopped. Yeah. Of course her mom and her grandparents rushed right over that. And they were just completely in shock. Rebecca filled in details of her ordeal. And this is what she said. She said, at first I thought he was just another weirdo walking downtown He looked like a sloppy nerd. He's he was white, maybe in his 40s or older. He was a little taller than me, maybe about five foot six. And he was thin. He needed a shave and looked like he had wrinkles on his face. He had glasses with silver flame flames.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he's got flames on the side. Gracing stripe (laughs) flames. (laughs) <laughs> he had glasses with <laughs> racing stripes.
1: <laughs> really inconspicuous. Uh, he had glasses with silver frames, a mustache, dark brown hair, and brown eyes. He was dirty looking. Gross. Oh my God. Maybe this was the same guy who asked you to check his tag. <laughs> <laughs> this is strikes again. He strikes again. He was uh, dirty looking with dirty ratty looking jeans and clothes. He had on a dark blue knit cap pulled over his ears and a dark blue or green jacket. He had a yellow cloth or shirt over his arm that hid the gun that he was pointing at me. So when they asked her when how did she get away, she told them about uh, pretending to have an asthma attack and asking to sit down. She said as he was pulling on me, I I sort of slumped down pretending I couldn't catch my breath. As he pulled, I slipped out of my backpack and ran as fast as I could to the first adult I saw. Um, which was the man plowing snow off the sidewalk in front of his, uh, office. And then they asked her about his vehicle and she just, she remembered so much detail. Like this girl, like she was amazing. And she said it was a black pickup truck with a white top over the end of the, the back end of the truck. Um, and they asked her, did you ever see that truck before? And she said, yeah, I've seen that truck a few times as I was walking home from school with my friends. And I think at the cinema center. Oh shit yeah okay do you ever remember seeing the man before and rebecca said no and then they sent her off to do a composite sketch sure Sure. so then the police wasted no time once they got this composite they they wasted no time circulating it to local law enforcement agencies russell davis the guy who followed the kidnapper till he lost him returned to the station after he got his sons off to school to give his account of the incident and to tell them like he had not been sure it was happening until the girl took off um he still had his doubts until the truck pulled out into the main intersection and ran two red lights so clearly trying to get away yeah because he had a mirror image of the license plate he was unsure if the numbers he saw were the first three or the last three of the license plate because he saw it in his review mirror oh got it, yeah got yeah. It. yeah yeah he confirmed rebecca's description of the pickup truck as dark blue with a white cab
0: and light blue that was a car that was described that was a light blue van yeah, that's right okay yeah so,
1: so this was a black or dark blue truck okay. with a white cab so one of the detectives uh detective boyington he decided to go out. There was a bolo issue. Yeah. And so he decided to go out just himself and look I'm for like, this truck. Okay. Because Pittsfield is not that big. Right. He did notice a dark blue pickup eventually with a white cab backed into the driveway of this house. So this detective whipped a shitty. Yeah. And uh, in a parking lot and came back up to the driveway to get a better look at the truck. And he did notice uh, the license plate was like the 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 same yeah it was the same as the eyewitness like and and so he was super curious then so he called the Lanesboro pd informing um an officer of the truck and then he called pittsfield pd and another detective ran the plate and found that the truck was registered to a philip chalice Okay. of summer street lanesboro which is the uh, next town over okay so a couple of detectives detectives boyington and sorrell took off to check things out so philip Shalley's philip Shalley's lived in lanesboro massachusetts with his mother and his aunt and his aunt's boyfriend and then a tenant called chet forfa so phil often loaned his truck to his friend whose decrepit van sat in phil's upper driveway okay. light blue van sure uh broken down waiting for phil to patch it together so the interesting thing about phil is he was blind oh, but phil. he had an exceptional talent for fixing cars and yeah um which yeah is actually quite a skill it's a skill if you're not blind <laughs> yeah well, yeah yeah exactly uh his mother was also blind so they had this friend who like drove phil or his mother to appointments and like got groceries and like and they both considered him to be a godsend okay but they loaned phil loaned him his truck on a regular basis okay so now you've got the detective who first went out looking for the vehicle uh, detective boyington accompanied by an officer uh knocked on the kitchen door of the Shally's home and notices Phil Shelley's, okay, and then Phil's aunt and mom and like everyone. And then there's another younger man at the table. And when he turns to face the detective and the other officers, the detective notices an uncanny resemblance to the composite sketch. Okay, So of course the detective is asking like, Hey, you know, what do you know about this truck? Has, has anyone used this truck earlier that morning? This friend, the godsend explained that he had borrowed it the night before since his van was broken down. He came to the house, you know, often daily to help with chores. And in return, he often used Phil's truck since Phil's blind. (sighs) Uh, And the man claimed that he driven the truck directly from his home in North Adams that morning, the officers that were with the detective asked both men, if it would be okay with them, if they looked inside their vehicles, Uh, nothing suspicious was visible, just glancing through the windows. So detective Boynton, and uh, one of the officers were just casually questioning Phil and hi- his friend. Detective Boynton pulled this friend aside and, and asked him for his license because they needed to identify sure. him. They were like, eh, who are you? And he was identified on his license as Lewis Lent. So Boynton continued to question him. And he was like, are you from around here? I haven't seen you before. And he said he's from upstate New York um New York yeah and when Boynton so then Boynton asked him where do you work and this guy says I'm currently unemployed but I worked nights as a janitor at the Pittsfield Cinema Center for seven years for right. seven years yep okay yep so then of course that just like sent chills down Boynton's spine right because he's like oh shit like oh I'm sure all I wonder the- if he thought if he immediately was like oh yeah like with regards to Jimmy, like yeah, immediately it was like, I'm sure like all the pieces just started falling sure. into place. Detective Boynton was like, Wait a minute, like this is a missing link to the Jimmy Bernardo case. Yeah, right. Um, something's going on here, you know, his spidey sense was kicking off, and he was like, Okay. So he just told Lewis, like, Hey, you seem like a really good guy. We're we're just concerned about this attempted kidnapping, like you know, your truck, like this truck seems to have been, uh, identified as, as maybe similar to the truck that was used in this abduction and, and, or attempted abduction. Can you just come down to the station and like, just answer some questions for us. So like just real casual and non-threatening Okay. and Lent agreed to go. So he requested an officer to come and transport Lewis Lent to the station. Uh, so, Detective Boynton let the officers take Lewis down to the police station and they returned to the Lanesboro police station to pick up a Polaroid camera to take photos of the pickup and the broken down. Okay. There. So now we're at 3 30 p.m. This is still January 7th. Okay. The same day, you know, that, that morning got, yep. that Re- Rebecca was at, uh, the attempted adu- abduction. So Lewis gets to the police station. He gets his picture taken, and that was just so they could do like a photo lineup right. for, for people. He goes upstairs to talk with Detective Boynton and they put him in an interrogation room. Meanwhile, they're doing a background check on him. Uh-huh. And they showed they showed the address of one of the vehicles that was previously registered to Lent as being in Burdett, New York, and that was just 12 miles from oh. where Jimmy's body was discovered. Yeah. So he's just like dumping off a body on the way home. God. Yeah. Fucking guy. Whoa. So Lewis presented himself as friendly. He loved to talk, but he was like a pastor of some kind. And like oh. everyone loved him. And like I said, like Phil Shally's and his mother thought he was a godsend. Up to this point, Lent stuck to the story that he'd come to Lanesboro that morning directly from his home. in north adams massachusetts okay and so he continued talking lewis Lent agreed to participate in a lineup both rebecca savarese and russell davis identified him and he was arrested cool yeah cool the house of cards is caving in <laughs> the house of cards is caving in <laughs> oh man house of cards i like, know why yeah kevin that's Spacey. i know kevin why'd you get it? i mean so rude. <laughs> why you so rude why you gotta be so rude so fast forward to the next day so there they wrapped everything up for the night lent mentioned that he remembered some things that he could not remember the previous day okay. oh imagine oh, that so
0: funny thing i forgot a couple things yeah
1: so he began by saying like last night when i was in the lineup and seeing that little girl it was like a mirror reflection of seeing her looking scared uh it's like i'd seen her with the same look on her face somewhere before somewhere just somewhere like i don't know my dreams or whatever oh, god maybe because you fucking stalked yeah. her and her friends every day yeah uh he prefaces newfound memory by telling uh police that he had difficulty remembering things due to blackout spells okay he continued to recall that the previous thursday he borrowed Phil's truck to help out a friend. Originally, Len had recounted driving directly from his apartment in North Adams early Friday morning, the day Rebecca was her attempted kidnapping, and arriving shortly before eight at Phil's house. He now remembered that he must have been heading northbound up Route 7 from Pittsfield. So, like, in the opposite direction, okay. basically. He remembered that he owned a shotgun, 22 semi semi-automatic rifle, and a pellet pistol. They presented the receipt to him from the sporting goods store for a handgun. Ah and He's and like, then he was like oh, oh wait a sure. minute yeah that
0: blackout again
1: yeah so investigators in new york in the meantime um while they were waiting their turn to talk to lewis they actually contacted lewis's parents okay to kind of get an idea of what kind of a guy lewis was right lewis's arrest actually hit his family with shock and disbelief hmm. so it wasn't like oh yeah he was always a little weird or like he was a bully, or he tortured animals, or he was always trouble. It was like, they has, had yeah. no idea. He
0: was totally normal. He was a good guy.
1: Yeah. etc. In light of the charges against their son, because the police were like, hey, they has got some pretty serious things against right. him. His mother said he wouldn't do that. He's a Christian. He's a preacher. Which... That don't matter. That don't. That don't matter. Yeah, you remember just, BTK? Just yeah, just he worked at the church. He did. Yeah, he was a good
0: God fearing fella.
1: Yeah. So uh his parents knew the Bernardo case, but but just was, were adamant that Lewis couldn't hurt a child, and they actually said Lewis had visited them several times since he moved to the Berkshires, and on one of his visits, Lewis brought a twelve year old named Stevie. The fuck? Yeah, a few times,
0: and they were just like. Totally normal. Yeah. Like, like why would question old that?
1: So then the police were wondering if he ever came home in his van. Okay. Like the light blue van. The detectives didn't really get anywhere with Lewis's parents. They didn't get really any helpful information from interviewing them. But back in Pittsfield at the station, Len actually wrote a letter to Rebecca, the girl he tried what? to kidnap. Yeah. Dear Rebecca, I am very sorry for what I did to you. It was a scary, awful experience for me. Oh, as, my God. As I'm sure it was for you. Yeah.
0: I feel so bad for you.
1: Yeah. I so on-
0: scary and awful for you, Lewis. Yeah.
1: I can only hope you can try to understand that I really cannot understand my own feelings, but I really do care about you. What? And Gross. Yeah. I don't want you to care about me. Like, And how you can try to live a happy life without worry about such things. Oh, fuck hurting off. Hurting your feelings and changing you in somehow in some bad way. I wish it had never happened and that you can try to leave it in the past somehow. Oh, fuck yourself. Yeah. I don't expect you to forgive me. Well, good. She probably didn't. Yeah. I hope she didn't. Well, the letter was never sent, but it would be used as evidence later. Okay. So, then Lent introduces his plan B, which is his alter ego named oh, Steven. So, he's
0: got multiple personalities. personalities, which is not common. That's not like it's not a viable defense. It doesn't happen very often.
1: No, he Lent actually wanted to talk to the New York State police officers again. He admitted to stalking Rebecca as well as other girls. Then he says that he feels relieved to have unburdened himself. He revealed his master plan. So it was Lent's intention to build a small area in his bedroom by separating it with a wall. This was to keep any other people away and give him privacy. He intended to build uh, shelf like boxes along one wall that he could use to store his victims. Oh, they were to be like bunk beds with a door he could close and secure. Uh, he wanted to keep victims in these beds at all times so that he could take them out when he needed to use them for sex. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. What a fucking creep. Yeah. Ugh. To this end, he began construction of this wall in his bedroom sometime within the last few weeks okay so again don't get in the car because you will end up in a box on a wall right exactly yeah he described putting females in these lockers two to each locker with heads at opposite ends this way their legs could be intertwined lent did indicate that no matter who he was who he was with or where he went he was always looking for acceptable vulnerable victims he would make mental notes of their locations as well as notations on maps of these locations he would range great distances on these like he would go on trolling trips so uh we're still on the same weekend so it's january 9th and lent prepared himself to finally share with the new york detectives details about jimmy bernardo so this is what lent had to say Uh, instead of working sunday night for october 22nd 1990 i went to work starting at 12 noon i was working cleaning and at about five thirty on monday october 22nd 1990 i was walking out to my van to leave i saw a boy right up to the front of the movie theater on a small wheel bike the boy got off the bike and was standing looking in the doors of the theater At this time, I had an overwhelming desire to have sex with somebody, and he looked vulnerable to me. I approached him and asked him if he would like to make $5 by helping me move chairs in the movie theater, and he said yes. He did, and then I realized I had nothing to tie him up with, so I told him I had to get something out of my van. He waited in front of the theater, so I went to my van and got a white canvas bag, which I carried items I used for the purpose of kidnapping people with. I know that inside the bag had duct tape, white tape, a hunting knife and rope. I also carried some medicine in the bag. I know I bought the duct tape um, as well as the rope. I bought the hunting knife at a sporting goods store and paid between $50 and $60 for it. I don't know why that matters. I bought this knife when I first moved to Pittsfield. I bought the rope and tape around one month before I met Jimmy Bernardo. After getting the bag from my van, I went back to where Jimmy was waiting and I used my key and we went to the front door of the theater. Once inside, we went down the hall to theater six. And we went in the theater and walked to the front and went into a storage room. I took the knife out of my canvas bag, held it to him, and told him to lie face down on the floor and put his hands behind his back, which he did. I'm sure he was just terrified. I then took duct tape from my bag and wrapped his hands together behind his back. We then walked uh, from theater six to theater seven. I had him on the floor inside theater seven against the wall. Then I went out front and brought his bicycle inside. I rode the bike back to theater seven where jimmy was and i left it near the exit door at the end of the hall i then ran to my van drove it around the back to the exit door i took the bike out and put it in the back of the van and covered it up i would like to add that before leaving jimmy in theater seven i used the duct tape to tape his feet together the residue that they found on this that was the residue. Yep. Then he took Jimmy back to his house. Uh, we, I'm not really going to. No, I don't want to hear. No. And at what point was was Jimmy killed? So he drove him to uh, New York. Okay. Um, And then tied him to that tree. How um, long
0: after? How How long did he keep him for?
1: It was the same day. Okay. Yep. And he, he cut off his clothes. And he said he took all of his clothes off for a reason. He hoped that because of the cold rain, he would die of hypothermia.
0: What a, God, what a fucking piece of shit.
1: Yeah. Um, and if the body was found, they wouldn't know that it was Jimmy. So he confesses all of it. Yeah, yeah. Then after that confession, Lent hits the detectives with another confession. He takes responsibility for another disappearance. What? Yeah. Um, her name was Sarah Ann Wood. On August 18th, 1993, 12-year-old Sarah Ann Wood left vacation Bible school. God so innocent at norwich corners presbyterian church in frankfurt new york okay which was a small small community 55 miles east of syracuse uh she was riding her pink and white i had a pink and white 10 speed yeah while balancing uh pink and white 10 speed mountain bike while balancing poster boards and a church songbook. and she she took off on a i think it her i think the ride to her house was it was a mile sure it was like right Which on a bike is like nothing. Nothing. She was last seen pedaling up a steep hill, like four tenths of a mile from her house. And then she just vanished. So by that evening, her bike was found off the road and against a tree, in overgrown brush, um, a distance from the road where she had last been seen. Frankfurt, New York was a community of about 7,500 residents. A tiny, tiny town. Everyone knew each other. Sarah Ann's father, Robert Wood, the pastor, was the pastor of Norwich Corners Presbyterian Church. I'm sure that it's uh, similar to what happened with Jimmy. Mm-hmm. The communities came
0: together and tried to find her.
1: Yep. Hundreds of volunteers joined the police in searching. First in the vicinity where she had disappeared... And then spreading out for miles looking for any clue to her whereabouts. Nearly five months after her disappearance, Pittsfield police contacted Herkimer County to inform him that they had a suspect in Sarah Ann's disappearance. So that was Lewis. So they still hadn't found her body at this point. They just, okay. So that afternoon in January, Lewis recounted what had happened and he also had details that only... The killer would know. The killer know. would know. Uh, he took his van out for a drive. He said he would often take his van out for a drive for the purpose, you know, of trolling, like looking for girls between the ages of 14 and 17. Um, if I found a vulnerable girl, a girl that looked older than 10 years old, my intention would be to kidnap her and use her for his own nefarious purposes. He said he remembered going through several small towns. He always carried maps. And on these maps, like he made notations of locations of possible future victims, like he said before. And it's um, so fucking creepy. Yeah. And as he was traveling up the side road, he saw a young girl having trouble balancing packages and pushing a bicycle up a hill. And he immediately knew she was vulnerable and she was a prime target for him. Basically, he jumped out of the van. He had a knife in his hand. He grabbed her. He tripped her. She fell. He threatened her with a knife. She was pleading like, please don't kill me. He did the same thing he did with Jimmy Bernardo. He took her out into the woods, like off a, a logging road, put white tape across her mouth. You know, he tied her up to a tree. He assaulted her. And and then eventually he did kill her. So uh, he buried her in a shallow grave and covered her with dirt and leaves and twigs like trash, like a piece of trash. Actually, the murder weapon was mm-hmm. a branch. He didn't bring anything with him. God. He took her clothes. And she was
0: were you born in 81
1: i was born in 81 so was she so she was like literally my age yeah yeah that poor little girl he took her clothes and he didn't keep them as trophies he didn't keep any trophies and he threw deposited them in different dumpsters and stuff and along with this confession lent actually drew a rough map to indicate where he buried sarah ann And he claimed that he left her in a remote area of the Adirondacks near Racket Lake, believing they'd located the vicinity based off of the details he gave them. Uh, Sarah's parents and the the New York investigators didn't waste any time to get started with a search for her remains. Lewis just kind of used it as a bargaining chip. And what is he bargaining for? It's a power move.
0: It's a power move. Why? He wants to feel empowered. Yeah. He wants to feel like he's in control, like he's in charge.
1: Yeah. And, and like that's the last piece of control that he has.
0: Right. Like, you know, he's going to prison. He knows he's never going to have real control of his life again. And this is
1: something he can't control. Yeah. So he never disclosed where her remains were.
0: He never did. No.
1: And he took them on so many fucking quote unquote field trips to find the body. Her poor parents. Some people speculate that there are more bodies buried with Sarah Ann. And I kind of oh, wonder.
0: Interesting. Yeah. I mean, like he obviously killed more people. There are clearly more
1: like, oh, he, he, there are no more that we know of. Right. There is one that they suspect. OK. That he definitely did. OK. He he was sentenced to life in prison. OK. Without parole in Massachusetts. Uh, for for uh, Jimmy or Sarah or both. <laughs> for jimmy okay but he was sentenced to 25 years to life in prison in new york okay as well that must have been that was for sarah okay one other victim that authorities believe that could very well be attributed to uh lewis lent is a kid named jamie lusher okay this was someone that lewis confessed to killing okay he gave the investigators just enough information that Only the police and the perpetrator could have known. Okay. But not all the information about the abduction. So Jamie was was abducted from New York State in the early 90s. 1992. Lent admitted that he had deposited Jamie's body in a pond in New York. Uh, A massive search ensued with the New York and Massachusetts State Police and a dive team combing through this pond, and they came up with nothing. And authorities said the whole pond thing just didn't make sense the time didn't match the weather didn't match like the list of things that just didn't make sure. sense kept going on and on but they don't doubt that light was responsible for jamie lusher disappearing okay so yeah unfortunately they never they never found uh him either yeah how so, old how old was he jamie was 16 16 year old boy yeah that's a weird mo yeah well but i mean so if that was
0: 92 so 90 was jimmy Then that would be 92 was Jamie. So Jimmy, Jamie. And then 93 was Sarah. And then early 94 was uh, Rebecca. Rebecca. Or Or he, it was, there were many more victims and he just didn't care who he went for. He
1: just didn't care. So Louis Lent is suspected of having killed more than eight victims between 1983 and 1984 in multiple states, including Massachusetts, New York, and Florida. So yeah, the chances are pretty great that he had dozens of victims. Oh, I'm sure. Like, I wouldn't doubt it. Like, kids kids just disappeared then like it like now i mean there's amber alerts there's all this
0: technology and who like knows? i mean if he was traveling to new york and uh massachusetts i mean there's so many states like up in that area that he easily could have gotten to he could have gotten to pennsylvania he could have gotten to new jersey he could have gotten to Maine, oh, vermont everything
1: on the east coast is you can go right. so quickly from one yeah rhode island and like you have to believe that you don't just develop those urges and those tendencies right in your 40s yeah no, like he i have to believe that before that like that he killed the most haunting question remains like how did lewis lent get away with his stalking and killing spree for so long the stalking thing actually really surprises because yeah, me. i
0: mean especially in these little towns people talk
1: people know
0: What the truck is, whereas now, I mean, nowadays, like you know, when there's a car in your neighborhood, like when we see, when I see a car, like that's sitting outside your house or my house that I don't recognize, I'm like, yeah, who is that? Right.
1: Nothing really stood out about him. Picture of him though. He's a. He looks like a fucking
0: creep. Yeah, like I was going to say that. Coke Coke bottle glasses. glasses. Yeah, like that make him look like a fucking like, but exactly what Rebecca said, like a nerdy, dirty creep. Yeah, exactly. Right,
1: dirty creep. Ugh in his instance it's like yeah monsters really do look like monsters yeah, like, right. like he's yeah but like you look at him and you're like oh you're not threatened by him no you're just like oh he looks like out. yeah like he might be like like he'd be exposing himself and masturbating into a fountain at the mall exactly like, yeah like exactly that's, right that's like the guy, the guy is. Is. or asking someone to check his tag exactly at walmart like like it's a weird creep just a weird not like a
0: murderer not a
1: murderer Oh. And and I can see how like looking at his picture, I can see how Rebecca when he pointed like pointed a gun at her, she was like, I thought he was joking. Yeah. Like, like no, get no. get in the truck, like what are you <laughs> like, and that is what I would do. Yeah. Like even now I'd at 41, like, okay, I would laugh. I'd be like, okay. Like, like no, you get <laughs> it. <in the laughs> <truck. laughs> no, you get it. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: first. Like <laughs> no, he shot <laughs> in the <laughs> truck. So this fucking creep, Louis Lent, killed three three babies for sure, but most likely more.
1: To this day, because Louis Lent is still alive, yeah, he has no remorse for his actions at all. Oh, and he's, he's wheeled and dealed to get himself out of maximum security prison in Massachusetts. Well, that's the thing is like, that's that power
0: portion we were talking yeah. about. Like the only power that he has. The only is, bargaining. Yeah, the only yeah. bargaining chip that he has mm-hmm. are like... Additional confessions, bodies, plate look locations, details, yeah, yeah. and, and he'll also use them it's for just his that- favor in his favor.
1: He did end up uh, negotiating until he got placed in the correctional center at the Bridgewater State Hospital on the unit for sexually dangerous predators. Ooh. But he still claims his innocence to this day. Uh, what? Okay okay yeah. innocent, do his family
0: like, like believe that he's innocent do like do people believe i think at first they did because they were like this is unbelievable <sighs> it's hard to believe that somebody that you love so much could do something so terrible but like but also the facts
1: point to it the apartment he was living in when he was arrested he was living with his nephew and his nephew was like lou was a weird dude <laughs> <laughs> like he had a partition built in his bedroom that is so fucked up yeah oh that that Uh, literally
0: makes me yeah
1: and he would put like a padlock on his door and tell tell his nephew and his nephew's friends like do not go in my guys i just ah just little warning
0: if you ever live with someone (laughs) who literally puts a padlock on their door and says don't go in
1: like get out of there it's not so you know their like, pet chinchilla no, doesn't escape it's not so you like, don't steal their xbox yeah <laughs> because there's something in there they yeah. don't want you to. and see. if they're doing construction yeah <laughs> like maybe i don't know ask a few questions yeah, i don't know like yeah. if you're a jackhammer in their room yeah mm, or even just a drill yeah like <laughs> why yeah you're right it's, you're right it's like maybe
0: it's, they're hanging up a picture great maybe there's yeah. a perfectly reasonable explanation maybe there's not
1: yeah but I think in closing, we really should praise Rebecca again, Heck, yeah, because clearly he God. was set up and setting up a situation oh, and making God. plans.
0: I like want to know what happened with Rebecca. I bet she's got a great life. I bet she's amazing. God, I hope that she just. Is I hope a she's kicking ass. I hope she's badass. kicking
1: ass and taking names because she's a smart kid, right? so wait high five yeah to
0: becky or rebecca Savarese. you yes you stop this madman oh uh, well um i need to go take a shower and cleanse all that uh, dirty shit off yeah because of i feel sick
1: yeah what uh, a you fucking you so creep uh, yeah you're like uh, oh thank you thank like, you for... i'm gonna go
0: kiss my baby
1: and cuddle him yeah I need, seriously, to, that's... I need to go back to the old Ugh. cases because i just feel like the 90s like it was the 90s it
0: was the 90s <laughs> the 90s were a time. Yeah but they were ugh. the
1: 90s had the best music and the worst serial killers yeah yeah, yeah so I'll,
0: I'll do something uh, a little more lighthearted next yeah. time i don't know
1: what but
0: well thank you guys for listening please make sure that you give us a rating uh write a review subscribe tell all your friends like us on instagram at premeditated podcast Shoot us an email at Podcast at gmail.com. And as always, tell your folks we says hi. I did listen to the theme song right before this. It goes, do, 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 do. That's not right. <laughs> Hold on. Let's listen to it. Okay. <laughs> I thought listen to it right before this, too. Ch-ch-ch-ch-ch. Yeah. No, there's no
1: tripping. I want there to be a. Do, 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 do,